You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. vision series, and we're uh, in the second weekend. Last week, we started the series off, and we talked about right out of the gate, reminding everybody what our vision is as a church. It's the same now as it always has been, and Lord willing, always will be. Our vision at Real Life on the Plus is to reach people for Jesus. Whew. Okay, now everybody try that again with a smile. That was weak sauce right there. Okay, seriously, get your grins on. Turn that frown upside down. Let's have a smile, big smiles. I'm not going to start until you smile, Sergio. You have to smile. I'm looking at you. Okay, now let's try it again. Smiling, we're all about reaching the world for Jesus. Didn't you feel better saying it with a smile? It felt better to me. We're all about reaching the, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. And last week, we talked about uh, our four purposes as a church, that the purposes uh, really are our strategy. They're the how-to, how we want to accomplish this vision. And we talked about how they're important that we remember them. That's why we put them out on signs in front of the building. So every week when you walk into the building, you just about have to trip over one of these signs to be reminded of who we are, what we're all about, the, the things that we care about, how we want to accomplish helping people get to know and follow Jesus. And these signs help us remember that. So the first one we talked about last week was sharing Christ with people who are far from God. And we talked about how some people are sort of hardwired for evangelism and some people are more uh, inclined to kind of share Christ along the way, like learning to have more of a lifestyle of evangelism. And I shared some cool stories about different people in our church that have really done a great job of kind of embodying and walking out lifestyle evangelism. So if you missed last Sunday, I would encourage you to get online and listen to that so that you're kind of up to speed with us as we're talking about stuff that's really important to us as a church and as a team and as a family when we want to be on the same page about helping people know and follow Jesus, okay? So this morning, we're going to talk about the second one. The second purpose of our church is all about connection. It's all about connecting God, uh, connecting people to God. It's all about connecting people to each other and connecting people to purpose. Now, one of the things that we talk about or we hear talked about when we talk about connecting people to God is that people sort of say like, you know, I don't know if I really need to be connected to a lot of other people, and, and I don't know if I really need to go to church even to connect to God. It's, it seems like kind of a Northwest thing. We were in Tennessee for a while, and, and church is the norm there. Like, no one would ever think about talking about God without going to church. There's like literally more churches than there are gas stations in Nashville and that whole area we were around. It was a whole different world for me. There were so many churches. In the Pacific Northwest, it's more of this idea of individualism. Everybody wants to kind of go off on their own and do their own thing. And there's this mentality that uh, we don't really need each other and we don't really need church to have God. Like we can go off and worship God in the woods, you'll hear people say. Or I can worship God while I'm driving here or driving there or doing this thing or doing that thing. And the problem is some of the things that, they, that people say like that are true. Like, you can worship God in the woods. The problem is they're not exclusively true. There's more to the story. 
And in the beginning, God kind of rebuffs this idea that him and you alone are enough, that you don't need anybody else. Because in the very beginning, right, God created everything. He created all of the animals and the birds of the sea and the beasts of the field and everything, and he brought them all before Adam to, to name them, but also to look for a helper suitable, uh, suitable for him, someone that would be a companion, someone that could do life with him, that would be a fit for him, and in the end, none was found. And it says in God's word that, that God looked at Adam and said something profound. God told him that no helper was found for him so that he would make a helper suitable for him, a companion for him. Now, if you think about the context, Adam, in community, in communion with God, like you'll never get a more perfect picture of someone that could say, me and God, we're close. Like, we got this. I don't need anybody else. If there was ever an example, it was Adam in the garden in perfect relationship with God the Father. And God looks at Adam and says, this is awesome that we're together. All creation is good. You are very good, but it's not good that you're alone. You need someone like you. You need fellowship and relationship and community and companionship. Fast forward, when Jesus was put on the spot trying to be tricked into saying the wrong thing, when they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? The way that Jesus responded, how he answered the question, reveals how important he thinks it is for us to be connected with God and connected with each other. Take a look at how he answered that. He says, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no other commandment greater than these. The way that Jesus answered this question, revealed that it's all about, like everything can be summed up in being in a relationship with God, loving God, being connected to God, and secondly, being in a relationship with each other, with your neighbor, loving each other, loving your neighbor, in order for us to fulfill the commands that Jesus talked about, we have to be in those two categories of relationship. We have to be connected to God. In relationship with God, we have to be connected with each other in order to love our neighbor, right? The problem is when we start talking about being connected to God, like really in a relationship with God the Father, it's sort of an abstract thing. Like, you can go, man, I don't really struggle with my faith. I've heard this conversation many times in various, various forms of it. Like, it's not so much struggling with this, this faith that there is a creator, that God is real, that he really did make everything, and that the account in the Bible is accurate. It, it's not so much that. It's just the day-to-day, -day, like, how do I be friends with God? Like, how do I know how to actually connect with God the Father in a relationship kind of way. Like that's a sort of abstract thing. It's not a new thing to wonder how to do that. 
you're in good company because Jesus' disciples struggled with this same idea, really getting to know God. As Jesus spoke with them, he talked with them one time about where he was going, the way that he was preparing for them, and he talked with them about how they could get to know God to help kind of unpack this idea, this abstract idea of being in relationship with the God in heaven. Let's take a look at how he talked to them about it. In John 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. To which Thomas looks at him and scratches his head and says, uh, Lord, we do not actually know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus makes it clear that the way to the Father is through him. He makes it clear that in order to know God the Father, you have to know Jesus. He says, as you know me, you know God. So my question is, what are some practical, real-life examples in your lives of things that have helped you get to know Jesus? Like, just shout them out. Help each other out. Maybe we'll spur some uh, inspiration on for someone in the room. What are some things that have helped you get to know Jesus? Small group, Small group. yeah. Bible study. Bible study. What else? Reading the Bible, Reading the Bible. awesome. Digging into God's word. Prayer, Prayer. yeah. One-on-one -on -one relationship. One -on -one relationship through other people, Yeah. Yeah, like mentors, disciple, someone that's discipling you, watching somebody that's been there ahead of you. Failures. Big failures, like seeing things fall apart and the wheels come off sometimes. And as we walk through it, we get to see Jesus at work and how he handles and loves and cares for us through other people and, and through his, his spirit. There's all these different ways that we practically, tangibly can get to know Jesus, right? That video that you saw at the beginning, the announcement with the bald guy, uh, Mr. Brad Gray, he has an amazing ministry called Walking the Text, and it's all about helping you like dig into the biblical history and the context of God's word. He's going to be doing that conference coming up in November, the very beginning of November. Um, we're going to do that over at the Moscow campus that Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday he's going to be doing church for both campuses. Um, that conference is an awesome way for you to get to know Jesus better. Like he is a, an amazing, amazing teacher. You will love it if you are interested in getting to know Jesus better. That would be something you would definitely not want to miss. So that's another way that you can get to know Jesus better. And as we get to know Jesus, we get to know the Father. And so suddenly something that sort of seems abstract when you kind of just put it out there on its own merit, like how do we get to know God and be friends with him, when we track back and understand how Jesus says we, that we learn about who God is is through him, then all of a sudden we have a tangible person 
that we can study and understand and research and understand what did he care about? What did he do every day? What did he, how did he live his life? What was his faith in? What was he willing to die for? And, and as we start to dig in and mine out the answers to those questions, we learn about who Jesus is. And in tandem, we get to know God the Father. The next thing we want to do is talk about connecting people to each other, right? As a church, we care deeply about people growing in their relationships with each other. Like actually having God-honoring, not surfacey relationships that go past the easy stuff into the areas where we get to actually see God at work in our lives. We get to see this evidence of godly relationship going on. Paul talked about some examples of what it looks like when you're in a godly relationship, when you have godly friends, when you have a, a relationship that's not just a surfacey type relationship, there's gonna be some things that could happen in that relationship. I wanna read it with you and think about some of your relationships if some of these things have happened for you over the years. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul's given us this, this example that when we're in godly relationship, any number of these things that we heard described in this passage could be evident. Like there's a few that stick out to me. These are not all of them by any means, but take a look. I'll throw these up there and let's just talk about them for a second. There, there's this idea that we're bearing with one another. Like if you've been in any kind of relationship with anybody for any amount of time, then you've learned that part of being in real relationship with each other is putting, in, putting up with each other's stuff, Right? We bear with one another. Another way in scripture it talks about that type of love is it says it's a long-suffering kind of love. If you're married, don't raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. If you have a teenager that has survived to the teenage years, you are a long-suffering kind of love. Like you understand bearing with one another. Another thing that's talked about in there is forgiving as Christ has forgiven us. Like we, we talked a lot about forgiveness through the Sermon on the Mount series that if we're in real relationship with people where God is at work and his spirit is alive and at work in our relationship, then there's gonna be forgiveness going on. On the flip side, as a checks and balance, if you stop and think about your relationships and your friends and your network of people that you know, and if you can't think of the last time that you had to forgive someone, maybe that's sort of an indicator of the depth of relationship you have. If you're not close enough with people where once in a while you offend each other, you probably don't know each other very well. It's just a check. 
make loving each other a top priority. Paul says that love is the thing that binds everything together. I often say that love is like the super glue in relationships. That when you have a genuine love for one another where you put other people's needs and priorities above your own and their welfare above your own, like you genuinely care for them and love them, that's the glue that holds things together. When times are tough, when things are hard, when you are struggling to put up with somebody and bear with them, it's love that holds it together. As we love each other, as we're in relationship with each other, all of these types of things get to show up. And at real life, we feel like and totally believe that our home groups are tailor-made places for you to experience connection with God and connection with other people. That's the whole heart and passion behind getting people involved in a home group is that you're going to be connected to the word of God. You're going to be praying together. You're going to be focused on the word, but you're also going to be put in an environment where you're with a smaller group of people that you can actually get to know. Not, it's awesome that we come to church on Sunday mornings and there's different reasons and it, it serves different purposes, but to be in real relationship with a group of people you can actually do life with. I feel like over the years, uh, my wife and I have had the benefit of being a part of a lot of amazing small groups, and I've heard countless stories of people that have been in a similar small groups, like home groups that are just amazing, life-changing relationship coming out of those groups. And of all the groups I've been in and the ones that I've really successful ones I've heard of, I feel like there's two key ingredients that all those groups have. There's two key ingredients. First of all, those groups get together to dig into God's word, and God's word is a priority in their home group. Like, they, they don't just show up to get to, to hang out with each other. They're not just fellowship for the sake of fellowship. They're not just fun people groups. The groups that are really transformational in people's lives are, are groups of people that dig into God's word together. They come with someone excited and expectant and eager to dig into the scripture, to tell God's story for the week, whatever the story is that they're working on in home group, like I shared about last week. Someone has put time into it and been prepared, and other people are coming eager to hear God's word. Like That's a critical ingredient of these groups that are really successful. Another ingredient that all of those groups have is that they do life together outside of home group. Not just on the night that they meet together, but it's transformed and it's become something more than just home group, this church thing they do, into these are my people that I do life with. And when those two things are, are there and present transformation happens in people's lives in an amazing way. Their depth of relationship with each other goes beyond things they've ever experienced. Their depth of relationship with God increases. Their knowledge of the word increases. Their commitment and faithfulness to God increases. Their commitment and faithfulness to love each other well increases. Over the years, we've had some really cool stories that have come out of our home groups and it's pretty cool because when I ask my kids about some of their favorite memories growing up, some of my kids' favorite family stories are connected to people that we met in home group. The reason we have a favorite family story 
is because we made it a priority to be in relationship with other people in a home group. And then out of that home group, we started to find that we really had some people that we clicked with and we started to really do life with. And as we did life with them and had fun with them, our kids' lives are transformed and people are knit into their life that they'll forever have as family. We uh, got to be really good friends with a couple that uh, we have five kids, right? So um, inviting ourselves over is a little bit of an event when, we were, when our kids were all young. Like you don't just spring yourself on people when you have five kids. You have to prepare them and have four boys that could make holes in anything and eat a refrigerator clean in like 10 seconds. So like we've got to prepare people if they're going to be friends with us. This is an actual like this is an act of service to be our friends. And we found some people that were like us. They had five kids and they had a crazy family. And we were like, hey, we should hang out. And so we got to be really good friends with these people that we met through a home group. We'd never met them ever before until we sat in a living room with them. And we got to be super close family friends with them. It, it just happened to work out that it was the most inconvenient places to live that we could possibly design. We lived in Rathdrum, north end of the county. They lived in Cougar Bay, the other south end of the county. Like, it, we couldn't have been farther apart from each other as far as making it easy to hang out. Our kids never saw each other in school. They weren't in the same school district. We only saw each other at home group and at church, and we were like, we click, so we're making this work. Work. We're going to do life together and get to be friends with these people and get to be family. So when we would go over, we didn't go over for a couple hours. We went over for the weekend. Like we would pack up all our stuff. We would go to their house. We would have board games all night. We'd stay up late and we'd have kids sleeping all over the place. It looked like a, a weekend kids camp. And, and we would just, Lanny and I, everybody, we would just spend the night. We would just have weekend family sleepovers. And they would come and crash at our place. And we would go sledding together. And we'd go hiking together. And then other home groups, we connected with other people that were really into outdoor stuff like we were. And we did motorcycle riding together. We did camping together. We did all kinds of fun stuff together that was relationships that were born out of our connection and home group. So what I would say is, if you're in a home group, I would love it if you would come alongside your leaders and your hosts and, and that you would step out and try and help spur your group on to starting to do some of these sort of things. Like, don't wait for the leader to come up with a great idea. Maybe the leader is, uh, it's all they can handle to, to just facilitate the group and they're stepping out in faith and it's something new. And, or maybe they're just not the fun person, right? Like, maybe, maybe they're just like, I, I'm all about being prepared and have, doing a great group night, but at fun stuff, I'm, I'm not the fun guy. Maybe they need a fun guy in the group. So I would encourage you to get your group out like right away because here's what everybody does. Everybody's like, every group, without question, I've done tons and tons and tons of home group training. I've visited tons and tons of home groups. I've talked about this to so many home group leaders I can't even remember. And without fail, every time, everybody's like, that's a great idea. So-and-so mentioned that in our group. Almost every time somebody tells a story about somebody mentioned it. And then life happens and weeks go by and months go by and they're like, six months later, they're like, yeah, we meant to do something cool together, but it never actually happened. So your responsibility is the make it happen people. Help each other out. Spur each other along to deepen your relationship with each other outside a group. If you're not in a home group, hopefully you're sort of getting a picture. It's really important in our church. We believe it's really important in your relationship with Christ. And I can tell you from my family's experience, 
I don't know that we would be married today had it not been for people that we met and walked alongside us through some of the most difficult times of our marriage that were friends that we met in home group and did life with us. Had we not had them, I don't know if we would have made it. Find your people and get out and have some fun together, okay? Last thing I want to talk to you about is connecting people to purpose. All throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture, we see amazing stories of people connected to God's greater purpose. One of my favorite stories about a, a guy that is just, like, just clicks, he gets his purpose, is Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great story. It's a really neat story. There's all kinds of cool things that happen in it. I've always connected with him because he's a builder guy. Like he went in, assessed everything, and then rallied the troops to like make something. That's sort of my love language. I, I would love to have a lumber truck deliver something out here and we all just take a day and like make something. That's my love language, making stuff. Nehemiah, as a lot of you are familiar with, Nehemiah heard that the Jews who had been exiled in the Babylonian exile had returned to Jerusalem. But as they returned to Jerusalem, the city was in shambles and the walls were destroyed and the, the gates had been burned and everything was a mess. And they were living in this terrible oppression. There was no safety. There was constant fear and persecution. And it broke his heart to think of his people living that way. And he literally hits his knees and he prays and he asks God to intervene to do whatever he could do to let him be a part of the solution. And so in a series of amazing miracles, he ends up being released kind of with an unending release date from this king that he was serving. And not only was he released from service, but he was given papers to ensure safe travel so that he could guarantee that he would arrive in one piece. And not only was he given safe travel, he was given permission to harvest timbers from the king's forest to rebuild the city gates and to even build himself a little place to live while he was working all these things. And so eventually, he arrives in Jerusalem. He kind of gets there and stays on the DL. He keeps it quiet when he first arrives. He doesn't make a big scene. He starts to just assess the situation. He starts really reviewing the condition of the city and what's going on with everything. And he starts to go out at night and check on the gates. And he starts to sort of mentally figure out what is it going to take to put this place back together? <clears throat> at the same time, he's assessing the morale of the town. Like, how are God's people doing? What, what's really going on here? And then eventually, he decides it's time to rally everybody together and let them know God has really been at work in his life leading up to this point, and he wants to share with them what he feels like God's purpose is for them. I want to read with you how he talks with them. He goes like this. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates are burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. Or in the NIV, it says like uh, that we're no longer being disgrace, right? Like mocked and made fun of. He says, I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. So he's telling them his testimony of how, <clears throat> this amazing way, how he got there. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sambalai the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And then I replied to them, 
the God of heaven will make us prosper and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Much like Nehemiah, knowing without a shadow of a doubt what his part to play was in God's bigger story, our team at Real Life on the Palouse has a vision and a passion and a calling to help the people of the Palouse come to know and follow Jesus. Like, like we desperately, sincerely want people to know Jesus as far as we can reach through relationship in every direction. And we are super excited that we have so many people that are a part of our family here that are like-minded and want to join us in not only growing in your own walk and your own relationship with God, growing in your own walk and your relationship with other people, but you want to join us in this greater purpose of helping people that don't know God get to know him. And they get to know him by getting to know his son. We deeply, deeply care about not just the folks who attend our church, but everybody in this community being connected with God, being connected with each other and connecting to God's greater purpose. I want to do a little something as we wrap up this morning. We put out lots of extra connection cards today because I want to um, offer our staff and our team up um, to specifically pray for you about something. I want to ask you a question, and I would love for you to just jot a note on the card. If you want to write your name on it, great. If you don't, that's totally cool. It's not about that. Really, what I want to know is how can we specifically pray for you in these areas that we talked about today? Are you feeling like the thing that you really need right now is connection with God? Do you need us to pray for God to reach out and reveal himself to you in real and powerful, tangible ways. Like, do you need maybe to connect with God for the very first time? Maybe where you're at is, as you're thinking through and listening to the things I talked about today, maybe you're thinking that you really need to connect with other people. Maybe you're feeling convicted, like the spirit is kind of stirring in you, like it's time to get off the bench, quit playing it safe, risk a little, put yourself out there, Maybe it's one more time. Put yourself out there and, and be known and let people get to know you. Maybe that's what you need prayer about. Maybe the thing you really connect with is the greater purpose. Like you're like, man, I, I'm in and I want to be more involved. I want to know how to be a bigger part of what God's doing at Real Life on the Palouse. Maybe being connected to the bigger vision here is something that you're like, I don't even know what that looks like, but I want to have that conversation we want to pray for each and every one of those cards that represent you, our family, specifically where you're at and what you would love us to pray for as you desire deeper connection with God and each other. We're going to go ahead and prepare for our time of communion together this morning. And they're going to pass those buckets out. And if you don't get time to finish your card, just drop it in the boxes when you leave at the end. But if, if you want to drop it in the, the buckets, that's great. And then right after that, they're going to pass out the elements for communion. And at Real Life, it's important to remember every week we, we mention this, but for good reason. Every week when we take communion together, 
We mentioned that we have what we call an open table, and all that means is that anybody that wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is welcome to take communion with us. We are glad that you're here, and we look at you like family, so please take communion with us. They're going to pass out the elements in just a minute. When they do, go ahead and hold on to the bread and the cup, and we'll take it together in a few minutes when we're done, okay? Now, Every week we look at some implications, some kind of takeaway nuggets that we put in your notes and then we look at them up on the screens. Let me just give you a little reminder. If you're in like an accountability group or uh, uh, you meet with a group of gals and you have coffee every week or you meet with a group of guys and you get together for food or coffee and you check up on each other, sometimes in those types of groups, things get a little stale. You tend to get together and talk about the same thing over and over again. Uh, let me just give you a little inspiration. Maybe take your sermon notes with you and use these implications to spur on your conversation. Even at home with your spouse or with your kids, take these implications and say, hey, tonight while we're having dinner, pick one of these. Let's let that kind of drive our conversation. There's some other ways to kind of help spur you along. All right, let's take a look at them. First one, your life was never meant to be lived alone. Your life was never meant to be lived alone. If you don't have deep, connected relationship with God and other people, you need it. If you're not sure how to get it, come talk to any one of us on the team. We would be honored to visit with you about what it looks like to get plugged in with God and other people. Next one. The better we know Jesus, the better we know God the Father. It sounds like one of those things that's sort of cliche, Sunday school statement, but let it sink in. The better we know Jesus the better we know God the Father. Let that spur on other thoughts, notes for you to chew on, like how well do I know Jesus? Do you know what, we, what he would have done any given day or week or month? Why was he willing to give his life? What did he give his life for? Like let those questions stir up things in you that make you have an appetite to pursue getting to know him even better. Next one. If you're truly connected to others, you'll be forgiving them, loving them, teaching them, helping them, etc. If you have a friend or friends that have taught you stuff, that have helped you in hard times, that have forgiven you when you've been a meathead to them, right? friends and people that have loved you well, maybe take a, take a little bit of time this week to really let that soak in and appreciate that. That is an amazing thing. Last one. Join us as we strive to accomplish the vision God has given us to reach people for Jesus on the Palouse. We love that so many people come every Sunday and so many people have... Um, gone to 101 and been a part of our church and there's, there's a lot of people that haven't and if, if you want to be a part of 
who we are and what we're about as a family, 101 is the place you start. And we would love for you to go to 101, hear who we are, what we're about, what we agree to agree on, what we agree to disagree on, all that stuff, so that we can be like-minded and on the same page and understanding each other as we strive to help people in our community know and follow Jesus. Every week, we get the opportunity to take communion together. We get to take this opportunity because it's such an honor and a blessing to partner with Jesus in the call to make disciples, the call to love other people well. And we get the blessing to do that because he first loved us to the point of giving his life. And we remember every week that on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And as often as we get together, we should do this in remembrance of him. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant, which is his blood blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. As often as we get together, let's drink this in remembrance of him. We're going to finish with uh, an opportunity to worship together as a family. And I would just encourage everybody to just stand and pour your heart out. There's going to be people that are going to go to the sides and be available to pray with you. If there's anything that you would like somebody to pray with you for, they'd be happy to pray with you. So if you would, would you please stand and let's worship together or go and pray. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com.